0: Hey, my name is Timothy Pig, lead pastor of Fellowship Church. I want to thank you for listening to text Podcast. Today, you are listening to one of our weekend messages at Fellowship Church. While we hope that this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus, we want to urge you to be part of a local church in your area. This sermon is certainly not a substitute for the encouragement you will receive from going to a local church. If you are living in Southwest Florida, we would love for you to visit us here at Fellowship Church. To find out times and locations, visit our website, www.fellowshipchurch.co Father in heaven, we as your church come together and we ask you to move in this service in a special way as only you can do. Father, as we gather together as the body of Christ this evening, we would be remiss if we did not pray for those around the world, even right now, facing tremendous, tremendous persecution. Lord, we remember right now in Ukraine, the families in hiding, fearing for their very lives. Father, we think of those who are believers in Christ in China, where it is illegal to trust you as Lord and to own a Bible where the church is in hiding even this evening, Lord, and we lift them up to you, Father. Lord, we remember what happened so very recently in Afghanistan and the believers there, Father, who were being persecuted and so many who have given their lives at the hands of those who have taken control. Father, as we worship freely tonight in a country, Lord, where we can come together with no fear, where we can come together, Lord, powerfully, boldly, hearing your songs, Lord, hearing your word, Father, we thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I pray on behalf of this church tonight that we would make much of the privileges that you've given us. Lord, may we be found faithful in a time of so great a need. So Lord, I pray that you would speak through me this evening, Lord, speak to hearts, for no one here needs to hear from me, Father, we all need to hear from you. Lord, would you send your spirit to do what only you can do, convict, Lord, where conviction is needed, Father. Bring our hearts into alignment with you, and we trust you, and we praise you. We ask all of this in the name of the only one who is worthy, and that is our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen i've come to love this church here i love the pastor here mostly you would think for a man with a doctorate that he would be more intelligent than he is (laughs) for he stands up and he makes all kinds of inappropriate unkind comments and then he lets one of us have a microphone and take as long as we want to talk about anything we want you would think he would have learned by now that's not a wise thing but i appreciate your pastor greatly I knew him from what we lovingly refer to as the BJ years, before Jessica. (laughs) And she has helped him tremendously. We have a task force out there of people like Waylon Owens and Dean Nichols and Paige Patterson and Jessica and several of us who work diligently to keep him headed the right direction. I'm never sure if we're succeeding or not, but we are trying. And that's why we have to come here so often, to check in and to make sure that he is behaving accordingly. It's a great joy and a pleasure to be here. I realize tonight that I am the warm-up act for the main event, and I am so excited to hear from a great example to pastors and to preachers. We have a hero of the faith with us this evening. He literally wrote the book on pastoral ministry. W.A. Chriswell wrote the book called The Guidebook for Pastors and so if you need to be a pastor anything you need to know is in The Guidebook for Pastors but I'm too young to have known W.A. Chriswell I missed him and Dr. Brunson came along and he wrote The New Guidebook for Pastors I'm part of new and so in our teaching classes our preaching classes our pastoral ministry classes we use that textbook it's been a great blessing to me in so many ways and so I am keenly aware that the faster I finish the faster all of us get to listen to a dear friend of mine this evening. If you have your copy of God's Word, please turn over to the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel, if you're looking for it, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. You'll be right there in the Old Testament. I have the opportunity to travel quite a bit and to meet with pastors all across this country to ask them how they're doing, how their church is doing, what they think about the state of Christianity in our country and in our denomination and all that's taking place in so many different ways. And a couple of weeks ago, I was with a group of pastors, a round table of pastors, there were a couple dozen of us sitting around the table, and I shared with them a vision for some things we're doing in the convention and some things we're working on and and trying to contend for the faith, trying to contend for the sufficiency and the inerrancy of scripture. And so when I had finished my my time, I, I asked if there were any questions, anything they wanted to ask me, and they asked me one question. A bunch of pastors came together, they had one question for me. What do you think is the biggest challenge facing our churches today? What do you think is the biggest challenge that's facing our churches today? I'd like to tell you what my answer was, which is the basis for our sermon this evening. My answer to what is the biggest challenge facing our churches today is a lack of Christian courage a lack of christian courage I, pr- I propose to you this evening i posit to you this evening that the world outside of our nation and inside our nation is getting worse than i certainly have ever known it to be and possibly worse than you have known it to be we are hearing today on the news, as I was preparing for this sermon, the news was on in the background, and we are, we are watching Europe move into tremendous war, and we are hearing wars and rumors of wars. You watched what happened in the Middle East and the current state of things there. You're seeing what's happening in Asia and in China and in so many different places where it's impossible to even express your faith. But it's not just outside of our country, it's inside of our country. This nation is more divided than it has ever been, as far as I can remember. Brothers hating brothers, Christians attacking Christians. Neighbors divided against each other over ideologies and over ideas and over principles and and fighting for what they think is worth fighting for, and yet it leaves us more and more broken, more and more fractured than we have ever been before. And in all of this difficulty, all of this heartache, all of this turmoil, there comes a cry for let's just be united Let's just all get along. Let's just all hold hands and be friends. And I think the idea of that is good. I think the principle of that is good. But if it's not based in anything, then you can't actually be united. There's got to be something that we're grounded in, something that we're based in, something that is a solid, immovable foundation that will not crumble and will not fall apart. Believers in Christ, we have that hope. We have that truth. We have that foundation in our lives. So this message this evening is a call to Christians simply to be courageous in challenging times. If you found your place in Daniel... Turn over to chapter 3, and one of the final things I do before I preach a message, one of the last things I do as I'm preparing is I take a highlighter, and I go through the passage, and I highlight all of the stuff I want to just jump off the page to make sure I don't miss anything important. And so this afternoon, I sat down with my yellow highlighter, and I, I began to highlight. And when I got to the end of the passage, I realized I had highlighted every single verse in the passage. And so I promise only to preach the highlighted verses to you today. And we will move very, very quickly. But as we look here, you've seen, you're very familiar with this story. There's nothing new this evening that you've not heard. This is the story of the men in the fiery furnace and all that they faced and all they went through. We've heard this from Sunday school. We've heard this from flannel graphs. We've heard this from veggie tales. We've heard this story over and over. At least Tim heard it from veggie tales. We've heard this over and over and over again, but I want to posit three things to you this evening, three principles from this text, and I'm going to my chair. The first thing we see is that our world opposes the things of God. Our world opposes the things of God. Read along with me. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth was 6 cubits. He's making an image, he's making a statue of gold. Now, this is a disproportionate statue. You know, they say that uh, if if the proportions of a Barbie doll were accurate, no human being could be those proportions. No one has that ratio. No one's built that way to look like a Barbie doll. Well, this is a Barbie doll statue here. No human being has these proportions. It's 60 cubits tall and 6 cubits wide. Now, I don't know what that means, but if you're like me and you're getting wider, then it's got to get taller. I've got to buy a new suit coat every so often because I keep eating too much. I'm getting wider. So if you're approximately like me, two feet wide, then this would be 20 feet tall. Now, you've never seen anybody that's two feet wide and 20 feet tall. This This is a unique statue. It doesn't look like a human being. It was made to tower over people. To tower over people. This doesn't look like a a normal person. This is a statue that's supposed to rise up above everybody else. It says that King Nebuchadnezzar put it out onto the plain of Dura. We don't know exactly where that is. We think we have an idea outside of Babylon. But he put it out on a plain. On a flat place. So that it would stand tall, erect above everything else. Not in the city. With all kinds of things and buildings around it. But out on the plain. So that it would stand up and you could see it from a long ways off. And it says that King Nebuchadnezzar sent together all of these people. My Bible calls them the satraps and the prefects and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates. These are all the different government leaders and all the different officials from civic leaders to local leaders. there in the, in the satraps and the prefects, the governors and counselors, treasurers, justices, magistrates. And in case he missed anybody, it says, and all the other officials the king sent for everyone and the representatives of everyone and he said come together to the dedication of this image which we have set up and the bible goes on it says all these people they came all of the people they stood before this image that he'd set up and so here is a golden image we don't know Was it of him? Was it of something else? In Daniel chapter 2, he had the vision and the dream of the golden statue with silver and all the way down to clay feet there. We know that's where that comes from. That could be it. Maybe he'd made one of himself. Maybe he'd made some type of animal or some type of thing that he wanted to highlight to be a god before the people. We don't know exactly what the statue is, but he's called everyone to come and to worship this as a god. Come and worship the statue as a god. And it says, they stood before the image and the herald proclaimed, you are commanded, O people, O nations and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn and the pipe and the lyre and the trigon and the harp and the bagpipe and every kind of music, I don't know what all those are, but every kind of music to come together to fall down and to worship this statue. And it says, if you don't do that, If you hear all of this music, this beautiful music, if you don't do that, well, then you will be cast into a fire, burning in a furnace. Sudden, instant death. Now, friends, worshiping this golden image, this isn't a fair fight. This isn't neutral. You see what happened here? When all of this beautiful, appealing, entertaining, Wonderful music plays. All you have to do in the peace and the happiness and the joy of the moment is just just bow down and worship. It's so easy. You hear this beautiful music from all of these instruments. Just bow down and worship. Just bow down and worship. But if you can't do that, death by fire. Death by fire. That's what's being set up here. That's what's being set up. This ease life of joy and happiness. Just go this direction. It's easy. It's joyful. Or die at the hand of a fiery furnace. Now, this is not neutral. This is being structured in a way to make the people go the direction that he wants them to go. All of the environment, all of the situation is being set up to move the people this direction. And can I simply tell you today that that is still how the world works The world is still ordered in a way that says just go this direction. This is fun. This is easy. This is happy. This is enjoyable. This will be all the stuff that you want in life. Just fall down and worship. Just fall down and worship. But if you refuse to do that, oh, you don't want to go that way. That's death and destruction over there. This is fun and easy. The Bible says, wide is the way. And narrow is the way of following God. Can I tell you, friends, thousands and thousands of years later, the situation that these men faced in Babylon is no different than it is today. Wide is the way to bow down to the gods of this world. And if you refuse, you will be persecuted. You will be punished. You will be unpopular. You will have all of the difficulties of this life if you simply refuse. So just go on. Just go on and bow down. First thing we see is that our world opposes the things of God. But look at verse 8 with me. We see that our God calls his people to stand for truth our world opposes the things of god but our god calls his people to stand for truth therefore in verse 8 at that time certain chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the jews they declared to king nebuchadnezzar o king live forever you o king have made a decree that every man who bears the heart or who hears the harp and the horn, and the pyre, and the life, and the trigon, and the bagpipe, and all this music, they must just fall down and worship at the golden image you commanded this king, but there are, listen to the disdain here, there are certain Jews who you, king, have appointed over the affairs. Remember in Daniel 1 and 2, the king had lifted up Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, over, and he'd put them in charge of certain things. You, king, have lifted up these certain jews whom you've appointed over the affairs of the province of babylon and he names them shadrach meshach abednego these men o king they pay no attention to you they do not serve your gods and they do not worship the image that you have set up the chaldeans were waiting off to the side and when all of the music went and everyone followed the music and everyone bowed down and took the easy route they were looking they were looking, for they despised these men who the king had shown favor to. They, they despised these men. They expected them to do wrong, to disobey, to not follow the order. Can I tell you, if you're a Christian today, those out there around us are watching to see what you do. They're watching to see if you follow the ways of the world. They're watching to see if you look like the world around you. They're watching to see, ooh, what's he going to do? what's he going to do in there quick to run and to say see see what happened king those three people that you liked that you promoted instead of us look what they're doing they're not worshiping the golden image it says nebuchadnezzar in verse 13 was in a furious rage and so he commanded that shadrach meshach abednego be brought to him so they brought these men before the king and the king said to them is it true Is it true that you didn't just worship? That you didn't just do this little thing after all I had done for you? After I had promoted you? After I had protected you, preserved you, lifted you up, given you authority over so many different things? Is it true that you wouldn't do even this little thing for me? See, the world is opposed to the things of God. But God calls His people to stand for truth is it true in verse 15 it says now if you are ready when you hear the sound of the horn and the pipe and the lyre all of these instruments again well and good you can go and you can worship this image now i have a five-year-old son his name is sheridan and he likes to you know the phrase push the envelope He likes to push the envelope. He especially likes to push his mother's envelope. So while I'm here in Florida, he is probably in trouble for something right now. But he gets sent upstairs to his room. And I say, Sheridan, go upstairs. Think about what you've done. And I'll come talk to you in a little bit. And eventually, when I've calmed down, And his mother has calmed down and the dog has calmed down from having all of his hair pulled out by the five-year-old I go upstairs and I say Sheridan are you ready to come out and try again are you ready to come out and have another chance here the king looks at Shadrach Meshach and Abednego and he says are you ready to try again. We did all of this and you messed it up. So are you ready to try again? Now if you are ready when you hear the sounds again fall down and worship the image that I have made. That's well and good. But if you do not worship then you will immediately be cast into a burning fiery furnace. And who is the God that will deliver you out of my hand? Who can deliver you from my hands? For you're in my captivity, and there is my furnace. What kind of God can save you from this? Says King Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to even answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Now, because I had already highlighted the whole chapter, I had to circle that verse because it's extra important. Do you get what happened right there? They say, King, there's no need for us to even answer you. For our God will deliver us out of whatever you throw us into. But if not, we still will not worship the golden image. Can I tell you, friends, tonight? God calls His people stand for truth yes, that's right. and our God will deliver us because he is able and he is good and he is loving he will deliver us but the response of the follower of God is this but if not I will still praise him. I will still worship him alone. I will still believe him. I will still follow him. I will still stand for truth. No matter what our world opposes the things of God, but our God calls his people to stand For truth, Winston Churchill said that fear is a reaction, but courage is a decision. So church this evening, the word of God came to us and it said courage is what we must choose when we're called to forsake our God. When we're called to turn away from him and follow the ways of the world, we must choose Courage. then nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury and the expression of his face was changed against these men. And he ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated now this was dumb he's trying to make them suffer but if you turn the furnace up so hot that you die instantly you won't suffer you would suffer if you turned it down and let them slowly burn to death but he's so angry that he's doing something that doesn't make sense to accomplish his purpose have you ever done something that doesn't make sense because you're so angry Have you ever been so worked up that you do something that just doesn't make sense? Seven times he heats the furnace over and over and over again. It says that they cast them into the burning fiery furnace. They were bound in their cloaks and their tunics and their hats and their other garments. Why does the Bible tell us what they were wearing? Do you think it's like Pastor Timothy and really, really concerned that his jacket matches his pants, matches his socks, no socks, matches his shoes, matches his pocket square? Do you think that's why they were telling us all the outfits here? It includes that because they're wearing kindling. You get that? Our clothes are flammable. They're covered in clothing and they're thrown in the fire. This is telling us that they're wrapped up in kindling. They're wrapped up in kindling. They were thrown into the burning fiery furnace because the king's order was urging and the furnace was overheated. The flame of the fire leapt out and it killed the men who were throwing them in. This is proof that it really, really, really was hot case you think maybe it was just a cool furnace maybe it was just a moderate furnace maybe it was like a lukewarm bath and they're just in there walking around it's so hot that it killed the men who threw them in this is proving to us in the text that it is what it says it is hot enough to kill you instantly and they fell bound in all of these clothes and then all of the ropes into the burning fiery furnace Now we put this up on our flannel graphs and we say this is a great, nice, wonderful story. But pause here and think for just a minute about what this is saying. They probably thought they were about to die. They probably thought this was the end of their young life. Because everything our brain tells us and everything our touch tells us and everything our sense tells us is that this is sudden death. And yet knowing what was coming, knowing their outcome, they went willingly. They stood for truth. Our world opposes the things of God, and our God calls his people to stand for truth. And number three, the world is watching. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. I think that's the biggest understatement in all of the Bible. It says he rose up in haste, and he declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men? Into that fiery furnace, and they answered and said, True, O King. But I see four. And a pastor preached the sermon one time and he said it looked like they were having a party inside the furnace. Now can I tell you they weren't having a party. They were scared to death of what was taking place. But it said there was a fourth walking among them who looked to King Nebuchadnezzar like a son of God. Three went in But I see four. And they're not being burned up. They're not being consumed. What's happening? What's happening? He says, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come out. Come over here. What does it say in verse 26? He declared servants, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Come over here, come over here, servants of the Most High God. Now you say, Scott, you have not fulfilled your purpose this evening. You're supposed to be talking about evangelism. Don't you know this is Great Commission weekend? You're not even in the right testament to find the Great Commission. You're in the wrong place. Do you remember what King Nebuchadnezzar said just a few verses earlier? He said, and who is this God that will deliver you from my hands? And now, now he says, come over here, servants of the one, true, most high. Can I tell you, friends, that the world is indeed watching? A few months ago, I had the privilege or the necessity, whatever you want to call it, of attending the Southern Baptist Convention. And we're in a little bit of a turmoil right now over the direction of which way the SBC is going to go. Is it going to go a theological conservative direction or is it going to go a theologically less conservative direction? And there's this tension right now for control and for leadership within the denomination and with all that we're doing. And one thing that was said over and over and over again at the SBC meeting this year, anytime, anytime something happened that a certain group didn't like, they would say, remember, remember, the world is watching. Don't say anything unkind. The world is watching. Don't disagree. Don't be disunited. The world is watching. The world is watching. We heard that over and over, and that was meant to kind of be a stick that we kept getting whacked with, saying don't do anything, don't do anything disruptive because the world is watching. What will the world think about this? Can I tell you, friends, tonight that the world indeed is watching? But what they're watching is how do God's people deal with the difficulty that comes in our life? Do we bow down or do we stand up no matter the consequences king nebuchadnezzar went from who is this god that could save you he's not more powerful than me to you are servants of the most high god friends you want to have a witness in the world for jesus christ You want to represent Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world who is asking, who is this God that you claim to worship? How can we tell the world around us about Jesus? Stand for truth. Stand for truth. And when it makes no sense to the world around us, when it doesn't make sense, why would these boys not just bow down and live? They stood And were ready to give their life back something different about them who is this god that they serve that can deliver them from fire and it goes on it said the fire had no power over their bodies the hair of their heads were not singed their cloaks were not harmed and no smell of fire had even come upon them i know you look at me and you think i look like an avid outdoorsman but that's not true. I'm a city boy. I have a rule. I've made a deal with God. I, I have to live within 30 miles of a million people at all times. If I get too far away from a Starbucks or a shopping mall, that becomes very, very challenging for me. But once I went camping, and I did, I did camping type things when you go camping. And so they, they were trying to teach me how to make a s'more. Now, s'mores are not as good as they're cracked up to be. I mean, there's all kinds of good food in the world, but a burned marshmallow and a half melted piece of chocolate between a graham cracker, my my five-year-old likes graham crackers. So this is not as great as it's supposed to be out here, but I'm being a good sport, I'm going along, and I've got my little marshmallow on my coat hanger, trying not to catch fire myself, and uh, I'm making a s'more. And when I got back, everything I was wearing smelled like smoke. My mom thought I had been up to something I was not supposed to be doing. Out there, and I had to convince her, Mom, mom, this is not marijuana, this is camping. It's very, very different. It's extremely different, mom. But I smelled like smoke. My clothes smelled like smoke. They all had to go immediately to the dry cleaners to get rid of the smoke smell out there. I wasn't in the fire. I wasn't even that close to the fire. I'm kind of afraid of all that kind of stuff. I was standing pretty far back. And yet God has delivered them from inside the fiery furnace with no smell of smoke. And Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent his angel and has delivered his servants who trusted in him, who has set aside the king's command, yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own God. You see, Nebuchadnezzar realized that their God was more powerful. He was stronger He was almighty. He was sufficient. He was the God of the universe. I think back there we have a quick clip I want you to watch of a famous pastor who described God better than I could ever describe him. Do we have that back there?
1: the diligent and he purified the me. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a well frame of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a high
0: Dr. Brunson here on the front row undoubtedly recognizes the voice of one of our most famous preachers ever to live, S.M. Lockridge, pastored Calvary Baptist Church for many years in San Diego, California. Do you know what his name is? S.M. Lockridge, Shadrach, Meshach, Lockridge. You see, he understood that we serve a God who is all-powerful, who is almighty, and who is with us no matter what we're going through. So you say to me tonight, Scott, there's no golden statues for me to worship and there's no fiery furnace for me to be thrown into, so why does this even matter? Why did you bring this passage to us? Can I tell you the words here are sure and steadfast. Every single person who believes in Christ, every single person who confesses him as their Lord and Savior, every single person who trusts in Christ must make the same decision that these three young men made. Every person that calls upon the name of that God must make the same decision when the world says bow down when the world says give up when the world says throw it all away we must make the decision to stand up and be courageous and be courageous three things for you to take home and i'm going to my chair how do you do it how do you do it number one follow god even when it seems impossible follow god even when it seems impossible number two obey god God, no matter the cost. Obey God, no matter the cost. And number three, trust God, for He is with you always. I don't know what you're facing this evening. Some of you are here today and you're having the best week you've ever had of your life. God bless you. Then there's the rest of us who are walking through a valley You've heard the pastor who said the famous comment, you're either in a storm right now or you're on your way out of one or buckle up because next week's coming. There's people in this room tonight who've gone to the doctor and have received a diagnosis that there's no cure and time is short. Trust God, for he is there with you. He's not outside looking in. He's in that moment, in that furnace with you. There's people here tonight who have a wayward, wandering, challenging family member. There's people here tonight with marital problems. There's people here tonight facing tremendous loss of loved one. Can I just tell you the stories in the Bible to remind us that God is in that moment with us? He will deliver us. But if he doesn't, then I will still stand and trust him because that's our and he has already defeated the death in this world so Christians listening this evening stand up be courageous stand for what is true because the world outside these doors is watching to say are those people any different Or are they just like everyone else? If we will stand and if we will be courageous, then a lost and dying world will join King Nebuchadnezzar and will say, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Blessed be the God of Timothy and of Mac and of Stony, and of Missy, and of Dean. Blessed be the God of Mark, and of John, and of Sue, and of Sally, and of Mary. Blessed be that God. Blessed be that God. I want him. Lord above. We are your people. Father, I pray over this room this evening. I pray for everyone who's here under the sound of my voice, Father, that this would be a congregation that is bold standing for Christ, that is powerful standing for Christ. For God, we know it is true that the world opposes the things of God, and yet you call your people to stand for truth and the world outside is watching so may i may we may this church may all of us simply be found faithful trusting you standing for you living for you lord we ask in the name of the one who is powerful and almighty and strong and perfect and our Lord, Jesus Christ.